0: chapter thirty one of paul clifford by edward bulwer lytton this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirty one many things fall between the cup and the lip your man does please me with his conceit comes channon hugh accoutred as you see disguised and thus am i to gall the constable now have among you for a man-at-arms high constable was more though he lay dictator by the heels ben Johnson tale of a tub meanwhile clifford strode rapidly through the streets which surrounded the judge's house and turning to an obscure quartier of the town entered a gloomy lane or alley here he was abruptly accosted by a man wrapped in a shaggy coat, of somewhat a suspicious appearance aha captain said he you are beyond your time but all's well attempting with indifferent success the easy self-possession which generally marked his address to his companions clifford repeating the stranger's words replied all's well what are the prisoners released no faith answered the man with a rough laugh not yet but all in good time it is a little too much to expect the justices to do our work though by the lord harry we often do theirs what then asked clifford impatiently why the poor fellows have been carried to the town of and brought before the queer cuffin magistrate ere i arrived though i set off the moment you told me and did the journey in four hours the examination lasted all yesterday, and they were reminded till today. Let's see, it is not yet noon. We may be there before it's over. And this is what you call well, said Clifford angrily. No, Captain, don't be glim flashy. You have not heard all yet. It seems that the only thing buffed hard against them was by a stout grazier who was cried stand to some fifty miles off the town so the queer coffin thinks of sending the poor fellows to the jail of the county where they did the business ah that may leave some hopes for them we must look sharp to their journey if they once get to prison their only chances are the file and the bribe unhappily neither of them is so lucky as myself at that trade no indeed there is not a stone wall in england that the great captain lovett could not creep through elsewhere said the admiring satellite saddle the horses and load the pistols i will join you in ten minutes have my farmer's dress ready the false hair etc choose your own trim make haste the three feathers is the house of meeting and in ten minutes only captain punctually the stranger turned a corner and was out of sight clifford muttering yes i was the cause of their apprehension it was i who was sought it is but fair that i should strike a blow for their escape before i attempt my own continued his course till he came to the door of a public-house the sign of a seaman swung aloft portraying the jolly tar with a fine pewter pot in his hand considerably huger than his own circumference an immense pug sat at the door lolling its tongue out as if having stuffed itself to the tongue it was forced to turn that useful member out of its proper place the shutters were half closed but the sounds of coarse merriment issued jovially forth clifford disconcerted the pug and crossing the threshold cried in a loud tone jansen here answered a gruff voice and clifford passing on came to a small parlour adjoining the tap there seated by a round oak table he found mine host a red fierce weather-beaten but bloated-looking personage like dick hatteraick in a dropsy how now captain cried he in a guttural accent and interlarding his discourse with certain dutch graces which with our readers leave we will omit as being unable to spell them how now not gone yet no i start for the coast to-morrow business keeps me to-day i came to ask if Millon may be fully depended on ay honest to the backbone and you are sure that in spite of my late delays he will not have left the village sure what else can i be don't i know jack mellon these twenty years he would lie like a dog in a calm for ten months together without moving a hair's-breadth if he was under orders and his vessel is swift and well manned in case of an officer's chase the black molly swift ask your grandmother the black molly would outstrip a shark then good-bye jancine there is something to keep your pipe alight we shall not meet within the three seas again i think england is as much too hot for me as holland for you you are a capital fellow cried mine host shaking clifford by the hand and when the lads come to know their loss they will know they have lost the bravest and truest gill that ever took to the toby so good-bye and be darned to you with this valedictory benediction mine host released clifford and the robber hastened to his appointment at the three feathers he found all prepared he hastily put on his disguise and his follower led out his horse a noble animal of the grand irish breed of remarkable strength and bone and save only that it was somewhat sharp in the quarters a fault which they who look for speed as well as grace will easily forgive of most unequal beauty in its symmetry and proportions well did the courser know and proudly did it render obeisance to its master snorting impatiently and rearing from the hand of the attendant robber the sagacious animal freed itself of the rein, and as it tossed its long mane in the breeze of the fresh air came trotting to the place where clifford stood so ho robin so ho what thou chafest that i have left thy fellow behind at the red cave him we may never see more but while i have life i will not leave thee robin with these words the robber fondly stroked the shining neck of his favorite steed and as the animal returned the caress by rubbing its head against the hands and the athletic breast of its master clifford felt at his heart somewhat of that old racy stir of the blood which had been once to him the chief charm of his criminal profession and which in the late change of his feelings he had almost forgotten well robin well he renewed as he kissed the face of his steed. well we will have some days like our old ones yet thou shalt say ha ha to the trumpet and bear thy master along on more glorious enterprises than he has yet thanked thee for sharing thou wilt now be my only familiar my only friend Robin we two shall be strangers in a foreign land but thou wilt make thyself welcome easier than thy lord robin and thou wilt forget the old days and thine old comrades and thine own loves Twin, ha and clifford turned abruptly to his attendant who addressed him it is late you say true look you it will be unwise for us both to quit london together you know the sixth milestone join me there and we can proceed in company not unwilling to linger for a parting cup the comrade assented to the prudence of the plan proposed and after one or two additional words of caution and advice clifford mounted and rode from the yard of the inn as he passed through the tall wooden gates into the street the imperfect gleam of the wintry sun falling over himself and his steed it was scarcely possible even in spite of his disguise and rude garb to conceive a more gallant and striking specimen of the lawless and daring tribe to which he belonged the height strength beauty and exquisite grooming visible in the steed the sparkling eye the bold profile the sinewy chest the graceful limbs and the careless and practised horsemanship of the rider looking after his chief with a long and an admiring gaze the robber said to the hostler of the inn an aged and withered man who had seen nine generations of highwaymen rise and vanish there Joe, when did you ever look on a hero like that the bravest heart the frankest hand the best judge of a horse and the handsomest man that ever did honour to hounslow for all that returned the hostler shaking his palsied head and turning back to the tap-room for all that master his time be up mark my wids captain lovett will not be over the year no nor mayhap the month why you old rascal what makes you so wise you will not peach i suppose i peach devil a bit but there never was the gemmin of the road great or small knowing or stupid as outlived his seventh year and this will be the captain's seventh come the twenty-first of next month but he be a fine chap and i'll go to his hanging pish said the robber peevishly he himself was verging towards the end of his sixth year Pish, mind i tells it you master and somehow or other i thinks and i has experience in these things by the fay of his eye and the drop of his lip that the captain's time will be up to-day here the robber lost all patience and pushing the hoary boater of evil against the wall he turned on his heel and sought some more agreeable companion to share his stirrup-cup it was in the morning of the day following that in which the above conversations occurred that the sagacious augustus tomlinson and the valorous edward pepper handcuffed and fettered were jogging along the road in a post-chaise with mr nabham squeezed in by the side of the former and two other gentlemen in mr nabham's confidence mounted on the box of the chaise and interfering sadly as long Ned growlingly remarked with the beauty of the prospect ah well quoth Nabbin unavoidably thrusting his elbow into tomlinson's side while he drew out his snuff-box and helped himself largely to the intoxicating dust you had best prepare yourself mr pepper for a change of prospects i believes as how there is little to please you in Guad prison nothing makes men so facetious as misfortune to others said augustus moralizing and turning himself as well as he was able in order to deliver his body from the pointed elbow of mr nabham when a man is down in the world all the bystanders very dull fellows before suddenly become wits you reflects on i said mr nabham well it does not signify a pin for directly we does our duty you chaps become howdaciously ungrateful ungrateful said pepper what a plague have we got to be grateful for i suppose you think we ought to tell you you are the best friend we have because you have screwed us neck and crop into this horrible hole like turkeys fatted for christmas stiff one's hair is flatted down like a pancake and as for one's legs you had better cut them off at once than tuck them up in a place a foot square to say nothing of these blaggardy irons the only irons pardonable in your eyes ned said tomlinson are the curling irons eh now if this is not too much cried nabham crossly you objects to go in a cart like the rest of your profession and when i puts myself out of the way to oblige ye you with a shay you slang's I for it peace good Nabbem," said augustus with a sage's dignity you must allow a little bad humour in men so unhappily situated as we are the soft answer turneth away wrath tomlinson's answer softened Nabbem, and by way of conciliation he held his snuff-box to the nose of his unfortunate prisoner shutting his eyes tomlinson long and earnestly sniffed up the luxury and as soon as with his own kerchief of spotted yellow the officer had wiped from the proboscis some lingering grains tomlinson thus spoke you see us now mr Nabum, in a state of broken-down opposition but our spirits are not broken too in our time we have had something to do with the administration and our comfort at present is the comfort of fallen ministers oho oh, you were in the methodist line before you took to the road said nabham not so answered augustus gravely we were the methodists of politics not of the church namely we lived upon our flock without a legal authority to do so and that which the law withheld from us our wits gave but tell me mr nabham are you addicted to politics why they says i be said mr nabham with a grin and for my part i thinks all who sarves the king should stand up for him and take care of their little families you speak what others think answered tomlinson smiling also and i will now since you like politics point out to you what i dare say you have not observed before what be that said a wonderful likeness between the life of the gentleman adorning his majesty's senate and the life of the gentleman whom you are conducting to his majesty's jail the libellous parallel of augustus tomlinson we enter our career mr nabham as your embryo ministers enter parliament by bribery and corruption there is this difference indeed between the two cases we are enticed to enter by the bribery and corruptions of others they enter spontaneously by dint of their own at first deluded by romantic visions we like the glory of our career better than the profit and in our youthful generosity we profess to attack the rich solely from consideration for the poor by and by as we grow more hardened we laugh at these boyish dreams peasant or prince fares equally at our impartial hands we grasp at the bucket but we scorn not the thimbleful we use the word glory only as a trap for proselytes and apprentices our fingers like an office door are open for all that can possibly come into them we consider the wealthy as our salary the poor as our perquisites what is this but a picture of your member of parliament ripening into a minister your patriot mellowing into your place ma'am and mark me mr nevin is not the very language of both as similar as the deeds what is the phrase either of us loves to employ to deliver what the public and do not both invariably deliver it of the same thing namely its purse do we want an excuse for sharing the gold of our neighbours or abusing them if they resist is not our mutual our pithiest plea distress true your patriot calls it distress of the country but does he ever a whit more than we do mean any distress but his own when we are brought low and our coats are shabby do we not both shake our heads and talk of reform and when oh when we are up in the world do we not both kick reform to the devil how often your parliament man vacates his seat only for the purpose of resuming it with a weightier purse how often do men have our seats been vacated for the same end sometimes indeed he really finishes his career by accepting the hundreds it is by accepting the hundreds that ours may be finished too ned drew a long sigh notice now mr nabham in the zenith of our prosperity we have filled our pockets we have become great in the mouths of our party our pals admire us and our blowins adore what do we in this short-lived summer save and be thrifty ah no we must give our dinners and make light of our lush we sport horses on the race-course and look big at the multitude we have bubbled is not this your minister come into office does not this remind you of his equipage his palace his plate in both cases lightly won, lavishly wasted and the public whose cash we have fingered may at least have the pleasure of gaping at the figure we make with it this then is our harvest of happiness our foes our friends are ready to eat us with envy yet what is so little enviable as our station have we not both our common vexations and our mutual disquietudes do we not both bribe nabham shook his head and buttoned his waistcoat our enemies cajole our partisans bully our dependents and quarrel with our only friends namely ourselves is not the secret question with each it is all confoundedly fine but how long will it last now mr nabham note me reverse the portrait we are fallen our career is over the road is shut to us and new plunderers are robbing the carriages that once we robbed is not this the lot of no no i deceive myself your ministers your jobmen for the most part milk the popular cow while there's a drop in the udder your chancellor declines on a pension your minister attenuates on a grant the feet of your great rogues may be gone from the treasury benches but they have their little fingers in the treasury their past services are remembered by his majesty ours only noted by the recorder they save themselves for they hang by one another we go to the devil for we hang by ourselves we have our little day of the public and all is over but it is never over with them we both hunt the same fox but we are your fair riders they are your knowing ones we take the leap and our necks are broken they sneak through the gates and keep it up to the last as he concluded tomlinson's head dropped on his bosom and it was easy to see that painful comparisons mingled perhaps with secret murmurs at the injustice of fortune were rankling in his breast long ned sat in gloomy silence and even the hard heart of the severe mr nabham was softened by the affecting parallel to which he had listened they had proceeded without speaking for two or three miles when long ned fixing his eyes on tomlinson exclaimed do you know tomlinson i think it was a burning shame in it to suffer us to be carried off like muttons without attempting to rescue us by the way it is all his fault that we are here for it was he whom nabham wanted not us very true said the cunning policeman and if i were you mr pepper hang me if i would not behave like a man of spirit and show as little concern for him as he shows for you why lord now I, b- I doesn't want to tice you but this i does know the justices are very anxious to catch love it. and one who gives him up and says a word or two about his character so as to make conviction sartain may himself be sartin of a free pardon for all little sprees and so forth ah said long ned with a sigh that is all very well mr but i'll go to the crap like a gentleman and not peach of my comrades and now i think of it lovett could scarcely have assisted us one man alone even lovett clever as he is could not have forced us out of the clutches of you and your myrmidons mr and when we were once at that place they took excellent care of us but tell me now my dear nabham and long ned's voice wheedled itself into something like softness tell me do you think the grazier will buff it home no doubt of that said the unmoved nabham long ned's face fell and what if he does said he they can but transport us don't dissave yourself master pepper said nabham you're too old a hand for the herring-pond they're resolved to make gallows apples of all such numperals, nonpareils as you ned cast a sullen look at the officer a pretty comforter you are said he i've been in a post-shed with a pleasanter fellow elsewhere you may call me an apple if you will, but I take it I am not an apple you'd like to see peeled with this pugilistic and menacing pun the lengthy hero relapsed into meditative silence our travellers were now entering a road skirted on one side by a common of some extent and on the other by a thick hedgerow which through its breaks gave occasional glimpses of woodland and fallow interspersed with cross-roads and tiny brooklets there goes a jolly fellow said Nabum, pointing to an athletic-looking man riding before the carriage dressed in a farmer's garb and mounted on a large and powerful horse of the irish breed. i dare say he is well acquainted with your grazier mr tomlinson he looks mortal like one of the same kidney and here comes another chap as the stranger was joined by a short stout ruddy man in a carter's frock riding on a horse less showy than his comrades but of the lengthy reedy lank yet muscular race which a knowing jockey would like to bet on now that's what i calls a comely lad continued Nabum, pointing to the latter horseman none of your thin-faced dark strapping fellows like that captain lovett as the blowin's raves about but a nice tight little body with a face like a carrot that's a beauty for my money honesty's stamped on his face mr tomlinson i dare says and the officer grinned for he had been a lad of the cross in his own day i dare says poor innocent booby he knows none of the ways of london town and if he has not as merry a life as some folks mayhap he may have a longer but a merry one forever for such lads as us mr pepper i say has you heard as how bill fang went to Scratchland, land scotland and was stretched for smashing queer screens that is hung for uttering forged notes he died nation game for when his father who was a gray-headed parson came to see him after the sentence he says to the governor says he give us a tip olden to pay the expenses and die dacently the parson forks him out ten shiners preaching all the while like Winky. bob drops one of the guineas between his fingers and says ho dad you have only tipped us nine of the yellow boys just now you said as how it was ten on this the parish bull who was as poor as if he had been a mouse of the church instead of a curate lugs out another and bob turning round to the jailer cries flung the governor out of a guinea by god fact now that's what i calls keeping it up to the last mr nabham had scarcely finished this anecdote when the farmer like stranger who had kept up by the side of the chaise suddenly rode to the window and touching his hat said in a norfolk accent were the gentlemen we met on the road belonging to your party they were asking after a chaise and pair no said nabham there be no gentleman as belongs to our party so saying he tipped a knowing wink at the farmer and glanced over his shoulder at the prisoner's what you are going all alone said the farmer "Ay, to be sure answered nabham not much danger i think in the daytime with the sun out as big as a sixpence which is as big as ever i seed him in this country at that moment the shorter stranger whose appearance had attracted the praise of mr Mabin, that personage was himself very short and ruddy and who had hitherto been riding close to the post-horses and talking to the officers on the box suddenly threw himself from his steed and in the same instant that he arrested the horses of the chase, struck the postilion to the ground with a short heavy bludgeon which he drew from his frock a whistle was heard and answered as if by a signal three fellows armed with bludgeons leaped from the hedge and in the interim the pretended farmer dismounting flung open the door of the chaise and seizing mr nabham by the collar swung him to the ground with a celerity that became the circular rotundity of the policeman's figure rather than the deliberate gravity of his dignified office rapid and instantaneous as had been this work it was not without a check although the policemen had not dreamed of a rescue in the very face of the day and on the high road their profession was not that which suffered them easily to be surprised the two guardians of the dickey leaped nimbly to the ground but before they had time to use their firearms two of the new aggressors who had appeared from the hedge closed upon them and bore them to the ground while the scuffle took place the farmer had disarmed the prostrate Nabum and giving him in charge to the remaining confederate extricated tomlinson and his comrade from the chase hist said he in a whisper beware my name my disguise hides me at present lean on me only through the hedge a cart waits there and you are safe with these broken words he assisted the robbers as well as he could in spite of their manacles through the same part of the hedge from which the three allies had sprung they were already through the barrier only the long legs of ned pepper lingered behind when at the far end of the road which was perfectly straight a gentleman's carriage became visible a strong hand from the interior of the hedge seizing pepper dragged him through and clifford for the reader need not be told who was the farmer perceiving the approaching reinforcement shouted at once for flight the robber who had guarded Nabbem and who indeed was no other than old bags slow as he habitually was lost not an instant in providing for himself before you could say laudamus he was on the other side of the hedge the two men engaged with the police officers were not capable of an equal celerity but clifford throwing himself into the contest and engaging the policemen, gave the robbers the opportunity of escape they scrambled through the fence the officers tough fellows and keen clinging lustily to them till one was felled by clifford and the other catching against a stump was forced to relinquish his hold he then sprang back into the road and prepared for clifford who now however occupied himself rather in fugitive than warlike measures meanwhile the moment the other rescuers had passed the rubicon of the hedge their flight and that of the gentleman who had passed before them commenced on this mystic side of the hedge was a cross-road striking at once through an intricate and wooded part of the country which allowed speedy and ample opportunities of dispersion here a light cart drawn by two swift horses in a tandem fashion awaited the fugitives long ned and augustus were stowed down at the bottom of this vehicle three fellows filed away at their arms and a fourth who had hitherto remained inglorious with the cart gave the lash and he gave it handsomely to the coursers away rattled the equipage and thus was achieved a flight still memorable in the annals of the elect and long quoted as one of the boldest and most daring exploits that illicit enterprise ever accomplished clifford and his equestrian comrade only remained in the field or rather the road the former sprang at once on his horse the latter was not long in following the example but the policeman who it has been said baffled in detaining the fugitives of the hedge had leaped back into the road was not idle in the meanwhile when he saw clifford about to mount instead of attempting to seize the enemy he recurred to his pistol which in the late struggle hand to hand he had been unable to use and taking sure aim at clifford whom he judged at once to be the leader of the rescue he lodged a ball in the right side of the robber at the very moment he had set spurs in his horse and turned to fly clifford's head drooped to the saddle-bow fiercely the horse sprang on the robber endeavoured despite his reeling senses to retain his seat once he raised his head once he nerved his slackened and listless limbs and then with a faint groan he fell to the earth the horse bounded but one step more and true to the tutorship it had received stopped abruptly Clifford raised himself with great difficulty on one arm, with the other hand he drew forth a pistol, he pointed it deliberately towards the officer that wounded him. The man stood motionless, cowering and spellbound, beneath the dilating eye of the robber. It was but for a moment that the man had cause for dread, for muttering between his ground teeth, why waste it on an enemy? Clifford turned the muzzle towards the head of the unconscious steed, which seemed sorrowfully and wistfully to incline towards him thou he said whom i have fed and loved shall never know hardship from another and with a merciful cruelty he dragged himself one pace nearer to his beloved steed uttered a well-known word which brought the docile creature to his side and placing the muzzle of the pistol close to his ear he fired and fell back senseless at the exertion the animal staggered and dropped down dead meanwhile clifford's comrade profiting by the surprise and sudden panic of the officer was already out of reach and darting across the common he and his ragged courser speedily vanished and of chapter 31